This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We stopped back by the reservation office to tell the woman about the lake and that we had to park in front of someone else's cabin. And as I was getting out of the car to run in, do you remember what you told me? Yeah, I said, tell her your husband needs a hoe. <laughs> yeah, I tried that and it didn't go over well. What? <laughs> she didn't what? get it. She didn't get it. <laughs> We're not allowed to go back to Culture no. Village anymore. <laughs> no, they won't let us. But shouldn't the restraining order have expired by now? I mean, it's been 10 years. <laughs> well, you would think. <laughs> This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories of our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. On this podcast, we talk about the national parks, hiking, camping, backpacking, scenic drives, hidden gems, and a lot of other travel-related topics. You forgot to say I'm Matt Smith. I'm just reading the outline. It doesn't say Matt Smith. <laughs> okay. I still need you to say I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're discussing some of our favorite things to do and see in Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park. We'll be talking about scenic drives throughout the park, some of the best photography spots, and a few of our favorite hikes. Plus, lodging options in and around the park, how many days to plan for your trip, and when to visit. All this and more coming up next. This has to be on the top 10 list of most people's favorite parks. It's very beloved, isn't it? It's a beloved park. <laughs> it is. It kind of gets overshadowed by Yellowstone, but... I know. It's like Yellowstone's little sister, little stepsister. It's... <laughs> but it's great in its own in its own right. It is. <laughs> uh, if you remember, Grand Teton made our list of 25 national parks to visit in your lifetime, which was episode number 46. In your lifetime? My lifetime? In anyone's oh, lifetime. Okay. In anyone's lifetime. These are the most extraordinary parks that we thought everyone should see before they die. But another thing I'm trying to do before I die is to get around to writing a companion blog post to the 25 national parks to visit in your lifetime. And how's that going? Well, I've been working on it for like eight months now, and I'm almost done. So it will be on our website pretty soon. But I was looking through the list of 25, and I was noting which parks we've already done podcast episodes about and which ones we haven't. Yeah, and what's the tally so far? Okay, so, so far, including today's episode about Grand Teton, we've covered 15 of the parks in detail in their own episode. So we still have 10 more parks that we haven't done yet, which we'll get to over the coming months. So what are the 10? Well, we have Acadia, Canyonlands, Capitol Reef, Glacier Bay, Grand Canyon. We had, we had a couple of episodes about Grand Canyon when we did the Colorado River trip. Yeah, we did. But but, no, but nothing about the rims. Right. There is a lot to talk about that is above the river level. So I think that'll be its own uh, podcast episode. 
And then we'll also have upcoming episodes about Mesa Verde, Rocky Mountain, and two really big popular ones, Yosemite and Zion. So kind of a promo. Yes. And then now we're committed to doing all these episodes. Right. Sometimes we think... What are we going to talk about next week? Well, like every week, we have this conversation. We're done. We have nothing left to say. And then we squeak another episode out. Well, so we have all these to look forward to. And then then after that, we can ponder what we're going to talk about next. We just say whatever comes to mind. We just speak into the microphone for an hour. I think you could tell people about your journey to eradicate the moles in our yard. That's fascinating Mm, stuff. They're in uh, remission right now. Okay, good. Yeah, Uh, they've gone deep. I think it's it's wintertime. They've gone deep. So like they're hibernating. Is that do they hibernate? I don't know. But just when you think they're gone, they they come back with a vengeance. So, you know, fingers crossed. (laughs) It's a new year. All right. I don't know how we got off track, but Grand Teton. Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. Yeah, Karen. What's it famous for? It's famous for its mountain range and beautiful lakes, mountains and lakes. There are eight peaks over 12,000 feet tall. And I, I keep calling it Grand Tetons, but that's not right. There's no S. It's Grand Teton National Park. Well, right. Wouldn't the entire Teton range be considered grand? Why isn't that plural? I don't know. I think it's all grand. I think it's grand, too. I think I think that's a mistake. It should be Grand Tetons National Park. And to make it even more confusing, there is a mountain peak called Grand Teton. Well, that's what I'm saying. Where'd, where'd the S go? So this is one of those high elevation parks. It's going to range from the low of 6,320 feet in Jackson Hole all the way up to almost 14,000 feet on the top of Grand Teton, singular, the mountain Grand Teton. Yeah, and this is worth noting if you have trouble with altitude, because the first time we went, I had some altitude sickness, and I didn't even realize that we were over 6,000 feet. That's right. We were there in the winter. It did get you, and we... We went to the park, tried to go snowshoeing, and you lasted for like five minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's an elevation park, but mm-hmm. ha- hasn't bothered us since. No, it hasn't. Uh, so, as we mentioned, Grand Teton sits in the shadow of Yellowstone. It's to the south of Yellowstone. And a lot of people, when they're visiting Yellowstone, will also add on Grand Teton because it's just so close. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. And the land between the two parks is also public land. It's actually a lot of that's NPS land. Yeah. So it's the John D. Rockefeller Parkway that runs between the two parks there. I know we've talked before about how Yellowstone is huge. Yellowstone is 3,500 square miles as compared to Grand Teton's 485 square miles. Yeah, and for those of you who measure things by acres, (laughs) Yellowstone's 2.2 million acres and Grand Teton has 310,000 acres. So there you go. That's acre-wise. Acre-wise and square Uh mile-wise. I have to mention, this is a side note that really has nothing to do with Grand Teton, but... Since we're talking about Yellowstone, and as we have mentioned in other episodes, uh, Yellowstone was the very first national park in our country. And guess what? What? It will be celebrating its 150th birthday this year on March 1st. So coming up. What do we get for that? No, we don't get anything. (laughs) I think we should have some kind of a podcast celebration. I would like a cake. I would like a cake (laughs) in the shape of a moose. Or, no, a bison. Hey. Bison-shaped cake. No, you know what March would 1st. be better is one of those lava cakes 
where where the lava you know explodes and comes down because it's Yellowstone. Yeah, get it? Very very creative. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll work on lava that. cake and bison, but like <laughs> maybe bison cupcakes then. All right, we'll see what we can do. Okay, guess what it's time for? It's is it time for History Channel, Karen? Yes, it is, Matt. Let me tell you about the park history. All righty. Okay, back in 1926, John D. Rockefeller Jr. toured the area with Yellowstone Superintendent Horace Albright, and Rockefeller fell in love with the mountain scenery, and he started buying up private land throughout the valley. So over the next two decades, he collected 35,000 acres with the intent of donating the land to the federal government to be part of Grand Teton National Park. So that's what John was doing. But back in 1929, Congress actually created Grand Teton National Park, only it was much, much smaller. It only included the Teton Range and several of the lakes that sit at the foot of the mountains. So in 1943, Franklin D. Roosevelt declared additional land in the valley to be part of a new park called Jackson Hole National Monument. In 1949, John D. Rockefeller Jr. donated the land that he had purchased to the government to be included in the national park. And finally, all of these bits and pieces came together. In 1950, Congress combined the original national park the Jackson Hole National Monument, and the Rockefeller lands to establish the present-day Grand Teton National Park. Wow, that is an incredible story. Well, it is. And it shows you the foresight of John D. Rockefeller Jr. to buy up those lands and save them for the park. Because can you imagine what would have happened if he hadn't? You know, there would have been all kinds of development and the park would have been much smaller than it actually is today. Yeah, he was busy collecting land, wasn't he? And I guess the people in that area, in the Jackson Hole area, weren't happy as he's buying up all this land because, you know, he's somebody from the East Coast. They don't know him. It's their land. So it, it didn't go well at the time, but look how look how well it turned out. It, it turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, one more note about our friend John D. Rockefeller. <laughs> he wasn't finished with Grand Teton yet. And so after World War II, as more people owned cars and began to explore America, he saw the need in Grand Teton to establish some lodging, some places for people to stay. So he set out to develop an assortment of lodging inside the park. He was responsible for the small rustic cabins at Coulter Bay and for the lodge overlooking Jackson Lake and the lodge near Jenny Lake, all of which we'll be talking about a little later on. Yeah, we, all seriousness, we owe a ton of gratitude and debt to Rockefeller for Mm -hmm. securing that land and helping make it part of our public lands now that we can all enjoy. That's right. Yeah, and Grand Teton National Park is, it's open 24 hours a day year year round, so it never closes. But the most popular months really are the summer, like May through September. Right. Uh, Now, the rest of the time from November to through April. Some of the roads are closed, all the campgrounds, most of the visitor facilities are closed and or, or reduced hours. Right, because they get a ton of snow. And you know, Grand Teton, like a lot of these parks that are only open for concentrated months during the summer, for instance, like Glacier National Park, they get very, very crowded because it's such a short window to visit. So Grand Teton is one of those ones where expect crowds if you're going in the summer. 
if you look at the park map, you'll see that the developed areas of the park, it's a fairly narrow piece of land that runs north to south. And the main centerpiece of the park, the hub where most of the development is, is Jackson Lake which is one of the largest high-altitude lakes in the United States. Mm -hmm. The park has three entrance stations and four visitor centers. Three of the visitor centers are only open during the summer. The Coulter Bay Visitor Center, Jenny Lake Visitor Center, and the Lawrence S. Rockefeller Preserve Center. And then there's one in Moose, which is open in the spring, summer, and fall. Is that the bigger, newer one? Yeah. That's a nice visitor center. That is a nice visitor center. Yeah. yeah, it's called the Craig Thomas Discovery and Visitor Center. So should we talk about some of our favorite things to do in Grand Teton National Park? Yeah, it's another one of those parks where pretty much anything that you can do is worth doing. Yes. Yeah. And to start with, there's some great scenic drives, you know, like one of my favorite, the Jenny Lake Scenic Drive. Mm -hmm. It skirts the east shore of Jenny Lake and gives you a spectacular view of the peaks. It's only about... Three miles long, but it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, one of my favorite drives. Then there's the Moose Wilson Road is very scenic. Um, you can drive up to the top of Signal Mountain on Signal Mountain Summit Road for some great views up there. Yeah, and Teton Park Road. Yeah, the Teton Park Road is the main road. It's 20 miles long, and it has multiple pullouts and overlooks, plus a lot of access to the hiking trailheads we're going to talk about. With the beauty of the Teton Range, almost every place you drive is scenic and beautiful. A lot of the best photography spots are away from the range a little bit. So you can get, you know, you get the full view, you can get kind of a panoramic shot of them. So yeah, it's great to be in the mountains and hiking in them, but some of the best photos are, are when you're back away from it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Grand Teton National Park is a photographer's dream, especially if you're a professional photographer. Uh, they seem to flock to the park. And I know a lot of you have probably seen some incredibly beautiful photos from the park. So we'll mention a couple places where these photos have been taken. And if you're interested in, you know, in joining the professional photographers, you could stop at these places as well. One of the most famous spots to take a photograph in the park is on Mormon Road. There's a barn, and there's, actually there's a few outbuildings on Mormon Row. And those buildings, particularly the barn, sitting against the range is just an incredible sight. Also, from time to time, there are bison roaming that area. So if you can get a picture of the barn, the bison, the Teton the Tetons in the background. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic spot. Yeah, there are actually two barns very close to each other, you know, within walking distance. There's the T.A. Moulton Barn and then the John Moulton Barn, both very famous. We stop there every trip because I'm hoping one day to see the bison there, which we never have. But one tip, we always are there late in the afternoon after we hike, we stop by. That is not a great time to take photos. Apparently, sunrise is a good time or early in the morning before the sun moves behind the barns and you're shooting directly into the sun. Right. It's the morning light that you want there. Another spot that is very popular amongst photographers is Oxbow Bend. Uh, this is a U-shaped bend in the Snake River. Now, we have never been there at sunrise, but I have seen photos of all the photographers lined up at the banks, and literally there are dozens and dozens. So if that's your thing, great. We're not terribly interested in, in you know, joining a crowd to take a photo. Yeah, and I think the, the 
picture that you really want is, again, early in the morning, the water's calm, reflection of the mountains in the water, blue sky would be preferable. And, and those conditions are, are fairly rare. We've been by there many times. The conditions have never been like that. We're not really into staking out a place for days waiting for the exact conditions. Right. We feel like there are too many things to do in the park to hang out for hours waiting for a particular photo. But I will say when we were there in October, the trees, all the leaves on the trees had turned yellow and it was a blue sky day. And then you have the mountains in the in the backdrop and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I mm-hmm. think the water was ripply that day. So yeah. I, I don't think we got some mirror images, but uh, yeah, the, the leaves when they turn colors and that's just an added bonus for that shot. Right. Another overlook that was made famous by Ansel Adams is the Snake River Overlook. He took his famous Snake River photo in 1942, and it hasn't changed very much since then. The trees have gotten a little bit taller, but that's another very famous spot to stop and take a photo. Yeah, and that's interesting. The Snake River, for people who kind of live or travel through the West, it actually starts in Yellowstone, comes south down to the Jackson area, and then then heads west, then heads north. It's just that when you look at that river on a map, it's all over the place. Yeah, that's the same Snake River that uh, empties into the Columbia River not too far from here. Yeah, it has quite a journey. And the last spot we're going to mention is Schwabacher Landing. We have not stopped at this place. I've seen photos. One thing that's great about this is that this is a place where moose like to hang out. And so I've seen some great shots of moose standing in the water with the with the Tetons in the back. See, we still have stuff to do in mm-hmm. the park. That's right. So as we said, these are a lot of favorite sunrise spots. We're more into sunset. Yeah, because <laughs> we're awake. We did find a great sunset spot that we'll share with you. It was recommended by our server at Signal Mountain Lodge. We asked her where to go. And there was a little beach right near the Signal Mountain Lodge campground. Yeah, and there's a spot to put a boat in. So there's a ramp Mm -hmm. right there by the ramp. There's a nice gravel beach. We were there one time at sunset. There was maybe three other people there. Yeah, you're facing directly west towards the Tetons and... We took our little chairs and we just hung out there and had some wine and it was a beautiful night. Yeah, the locals always know the best spots, don't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about hiking. Let's talk about hikes. Karen, there are 242 miles of trails in the park. Did you know that? Um, I heard that. <laughs> Did you? And there's a hike for everyone. There are easy hikes. There are extremely difficult hikes, short hikes, long hikes. So whatever your thing is, you'll be able to find it in this park. Yeah, one of our favorite hikes, and we've done this at least a couple of times, is Cascade Canyon. You get to it off the Jenny Lake Trail. So it's, it's on the west side of Jenny Lake. There's a couple of different places where you can start the Jenny Lake Trail. On the backside, then there's a trail that then goes up into the peaks called Cascade Canyon. That's That's, a, that's a beautiful trail. Right. And if you start at the Jenny Lake Trailhead, it's 10 miles round trip and 1,100 feet of elevation gain. Now, you've got some options. You can make this shorter if you take the shuttle boat across the lake. You can cut off two miles each way. So, you know, four miles, that's a pretty big chunk to cut off. 
Another thing we should mention about this is you might hear about, oh, you should see Hidden Falls and you should see Inspiration Point. These are all part of this same hike. Right. And when we went up into the canyon, we saw them. And that trail, I know that, like you said, it's, you know, 10 miles round trip. But just past Cascade Canyon, you hit a fork where the trail splits to the north and to the south. So if 10 miles isn't long enough for you, you can keep going. Yeah, absolutely incredible. So if you don't want to do a long hike, here's what you could do. You could take the boat across um, from the Jenny Lake Landing to the to the trailhead. You get off. In 0.9 miles, you can see Hidden Falls and Inspiration Point. Inspiration Point is this amazing lookout where you, you look down on Jenny Lake. And if you do that, it's only 1.8 miles round trip and 400 feet of elevation gain. So much shorter and easier. But just word of caution that, that Jenny Lake Trailhead parking fills up pretty quick in the day. It's been crowded every time we've been. Oh, we see people parking miles away down the road for miles and and walking in. But one tip we'll tell you that we found is that you can also access the Cascade Canyon Trail from the north end of Jenny Lake if you park in the parking area for String Lake, which is another hike you could do as well. It's less crowded. Now you can't get the shuttle boat from there because that's at the south end. And if you start from the String Lake parking areas, and there's a few of them. When you start the trail, you're hiking along the lake. You might think it's Jenny Lake. It isn't. Right. It's a smaller lake, String Lake. And then you kind of cross a little causeway, if you will. And then then you're on the Jenny Lake side. And as an added bonus to these hikes, I think we've seen moose every time. I know. We've hiked these trails. And it's been on that north side. Right. And once we saw a a mama moose and her baby, and that was very cool to see. Right. She was off the trail and uh, people had stopped and and people were giving her plenty of room. But she and the baby, they did not look nervous at all. I mean, they're very accustomed to hikers. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to see large mammals in the wild. That's right. One more option while you're there at either end, you can do the Jenny Lake Trail, which which travels completely around the lake. It's uh, just under eight miles, uh, not a whole lot of elevation gain, and it's a fairly easy hike. It is, and we've done that. Circumnavigates the, the, the lake and uh, beautiful views of the lake. You're going to see the lake from all angles. It's interesting on that, what would be the east side, kind of the northeast side. I remember seeing a few signs that said, you're in bear country, do not run. And it's a very popular trail for trail runners. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, lot of runners passing us and the signs that say do not run. There are grizzly bears in the area. I, I think we've also seen grizzly bears every time we've been to the park. Yes, that brings up a good point is you absolutely 100% need to hike with bear spray in this park. Right. Okay, so that's the Jenny Lake Trail area. A great place to check out, but definitely get there early. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of our favorite hikes, which is an unofficial, unmaintained trail, is the hike up to Delta Lake. That one is a stunning destination, a very difficult hike. We talked about it in in pretty good detail in our Great American Bison Road Trip episode number 13. Yeah, it's it's a pretty aggressive trail, about seven and a half miles out and back, uh, elevation gain of a couple of thousand feet. It starts... At the Lupine Meadows trailhead. And there's a good-sized parking lot there. When we did it, there was no markers that indicated the point where you leave the maintained trail, the the trail to Sunrise and Amphitheater Lakes, and also no trail markers for the rest of the way up to the lake. Do your research ahead of time. There's plenty of blog posts now Mm -hmm. of people who've done it. and, And I think it's a pretty popular hike now. It wasn't so much when we did it. Right. And people have seen the photos of Delta Lake is this gorgeous turquoise lake nestled up in the mountains. Yeah. But like you said, Matt, do your research before you get to the park, because first of all, the park service will not give you any tips or directions because it's it's not an official trail. Also, you probably won't have cell service when you get there. So before you go to the park, read up, print out whatever you want, get your Gaia app, you know, all set up so you don't get lost because there is a huge section where there is no trail and you are scrambling up a very steep boulder field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a challenging hike. It was destination was well worth it, but mm. uh, not for the faint of heart. No, we were hanging on to roots uh, to try to pull ourselves up in a lot of areas. So um, yeah, totally worth it, but definitely a challenge. Yep. Now, a much easier hike and one of the most popular is Taggart Lake. That's about three and a half miles out and back. But there are a lot of other connecting trails to this trail. So if you want to make it a longer hike, you can continue on to Bradley Lake and so on. But that's a very popular, very pretty hike. And another trail that we haven't done but but looks like a lot of fun is the Teton Crest Trail. <laughs> I like your use of the word fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a 40-plus mile trail. It's it's going to be multiple days. It's a backpacking loop. It's high, high up in the Tetons. Hikers who do it typically do it in four or five days. Right. There are a lot of warnings on the park website about this one. The park says you, you should not hike more than two miles an hour because you are at such high elevation, and it's either steeply going up or steeply going down. And also, one more note, if you're interested in this, you do need permits to camp. So check that out. Yeah, that's a that's a very famous trail. I've seen the photos. It looks incredible. I don't know. 40 plus miles, Matt? Is, is huh? that fun? <laughs> it, it would. Yeah, it would be fun. Put that in the bucket. Throw, throw that one in your bucket, I'm Carrie. I'm sure that one's going to make it in the bucket. <laughs> All right. All right, let's talk about some options of where to stay. All right, let's do that. Okay. Well, there's, and and this can be confusing uh, sometimes. It's confusing to me still. There's Jackson, Wyoming, which is the town, and there's Jackson Hole, which is the valley. Yeah, Jackson Hole, as you said, is the valley. It's between the Grovant 
and the Teton Mountain Ranges. And the reason it's called Hole, I read this, is because the term Hole was used by the early trappers, the early mountain men, as a term for a, a large mountain valley. So that's why it was called Hole. But Matt, yes? I have a little pop quiz for you. Okay. I love pop quizzes. I know you do. It's your favorite thing. Why was it called Jackson Hole? Who was Jackson Hole named after? But you know what? This is multiple choice because this okay. is a tough one. So let me give you three choices. You have a, what, a 33 and a third percent chance of getting this one right? Unless I already know the answer. Okay. Choice A. Was it President Andrew Jackson, who had a cabin in the area and spent time hunting there? Or was it B, Davy Jackson, who trapped beaver in the area in the late 1820s? Or was it C, Stonewall Jackson, who retired to the area and died of cholera there? Since you said that early trappers... (sighs) named the valley a hole. I'm going to go with Davy Jackson, the beaver trapper. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. And it was actually called Jackson's Hole for Davy Jackson. And But then at some point they dropped the S just like yeah, it. Yeah. Good choice. That's, we're all glad that they, they changed that. So it's not Jackson's Hole. Okay. Yeah, so you could stay in the town of Jackson. There are a lot of hotel choices now. It is a fairly expensive town. It's pricey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of money in the area. There's, there's great restaurants and shops. Mm-hmm. It has a very uh, cowboy vibe. But yeah, it's it's not inexpensive. Yeah, it attracts a lot of celebrities. But I do think even if you don't stay in Jackson, if you have the time to go in for a meal and walk around that town square is very charming, lots of shops and galleries. So, so it's fun to see even if you don't stay there. We visited that town several times, stayed there a couple of times. Yeah, yeah actually, when we can't find in-park lodging, then we do just get a hotel in Jackson because that's one of the closer places to stay. But there are options inside the park. Mm -hmm. I mean, from like springtime, like mid-May to early October, there's plenty of places in the park to stay. It's a little hard sometimes to get reservations, but there's Jackson Lake Lodge. Now, we've never stayed there. I think it's kind of pricey too. We've we have had dinner there. It has a beautiful view. So so that's one option. Another option for maybe a few people out there is Jenny Lake Lodge. Now this is a triple A four diamond resort. A very pricey. I just looked it up. And these are cabins. Okay, so the least expensive cabin, it's a duplex cabin where you're sharing a wall with someone. That for one night was six hundred and thirty six dollars a night. So that's why we have never stayed there. <laughs> yeah, so the whole area is expensive. <laughs> right. Sleep in your car. Yes. I think a more reasonable option is Signal Mountain Lodge that also sits on the shore of Jackson Lake. We had dinner and drinks there. It, it's not quite as uh, fancy. I think the reason, other than Jenny Lake Lodge, the reason we haven't stayed at a lot of these places is because... We just couldn't get reservations. Right. It is tough. You, you do have to plan far ahead to get rooms in some of these places. Now, the park website lists two places that I'm not familiar with, the Triangle X Ranch, which apparently is a dude ranch. Well, it's not just for dudes. No. The, na- <laughs> the name came about in the late 1800s, and it's what Western cowboys used to call city slickers. Am I a city slicker? You, you, are, you are a city slicker dude. Yes, you are. 
Well, this city slicker thinks that this dude ranch looks like a lot of fun. They have horseback riding options. That would be a fun thing to do is horseback ride in the park. It would be, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other place they mention is Headwater Lodge and Cabins at Flag Ranch. So you might check that out if you're looking for lodging. But our favorite place to stay is Coulter Bay Village. Yeah. Pool or a pond. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the pond option for, for us. Right. But that's that's what we're used to. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the the park website describes it as summer camp for the whole family. And it does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's a great place to stay. I, I like staying there. Mm-hmm. They have uh, kayaking, canoeing, motorboats, lake cruises, horseback riding, fishing, swimming, hiking, and a lot more. Um, there is a visitor center there. There is what? Like a, there was a grocery store, small one, gas yeah. station. Import, m- most importantly, the little restaurant there is is open early enough in the morning that I could walk over and get coffee from the cabins. So every time we have been there and stayed in the park, we've we've stayed in one of the cabins. Now, I don't know if they're all duplex cabins, but those are the ones we've always stayed in. You know, two halves shared by a common wall, two separate entrances, a duplex cabin. Do you remember the first time we ever stayed there? It was, that was an unusual trip because we went over Memorial Day weekend. I mean, part of the the trip extended like, it was like a 10-day trip, but it extended over Memorial Day weekend. I do remember that. And we had come down through Yellowstone where we ran into a blizzard. In the afternoon when we got to Coulter Bay Village, there was still a little bit of snow on the ground. There was, and there was snow on the trails. We have pictures Mm -hmm. of us hiking around Jenny Lake, and there was like six inches of snow on the trail in in places. Yeah, so Memorial Day weekend isn't necessarily summer in (laughs) Grand Teton National Park. Um, But what I remember more about that visit, Matt, is what we wrote about in Dear Bob and Sue, season one, and we titled that, that little chapter, If I Had a Hammer. Yeah, that's what, because I think you wrote that email. Yeah, if I had a hammer, we pull up to our little duplex and there's a little parking area lot, if you want to call it, in front of every set of duplexes. And ours was underwater, literally underwater. It was a lake. Not two inches of water. It was probably, I mean, it would come up over your ankles if you tried to just slosh through it. Yeah. You know, it's a half foot deep. And obviously the snow had melted and it was runoff from the rain and snow. But it wasn't going anywhere. It was sitting there. So we had to park further down in front of someone else's cabin and and schlep our stuff up over over this grass, down by everybody else's doors to get to our door because you literally couldn't go through the, the parking area. It was underwater. I know. It was bugging me because all it was was weeds. There were weeds at one end of the parking lot that had grown up. Now, they, they had grown up like over years. Like this <laughs> this wasn't just some blockage that happened last week. And I thought you just all you need is something to make a four-inch channel at the end of the parking lot, and this would all be taken care of. I didn't have snow stuff in the car because it was the end of May. We thought it was a summer trip. And um, so this was 10 years ago. We were not as prepared as we are now. And I remember you searched the car for something to, you were going to clear the the channel out so the water could drain because that's what you do. And the only thing you could find in the car was a hammer and not a shovel, but a hammer. And I remember asking you, why would you pack a 
hammer on on a car trip, on a road trip. You might need a hammer, Karen. (laughs) What possible emergency situation would you get in that you would need a hammer? What if you had clear weeds at the end of a parking lot? (laughs) A shovel would have been a good thing in that instance. Yeah, I didn't own a small shovel. I own a small shovel now. Yes, definitely. So we were headed out to dinner. It was, you know, getting later in the day. We stopped back by the reservation office to tell the woman about the lake and that we had to park in front of someone else's cabin. And as I was getting out of the car to run in, do you remember what you told me? Yeah, I said, tell her your husband needs a hoe. (laughs) Yeah, I tried that and it didn't go over well. (laughs) She didn't get it. (laughs) She didn't get it. I needed a hoe. (laughs) I know. And I had to explain that in great detail. She told me that there maintenance crews were working over at the lodge on some emergency things wouldn't be back till the end of the day and unless it was an emergency they wouldn't be able to help us out so i asked her if she had a hoe that we could borrow because you would do it yeah. and she looked horrified yeah. it wouldn't take very long just give me the right tool or a shovel and yeah. anything good. anything and she said oh no we could never Oops. let our guests do that it's too dangerous yeah it's too dangerous we could have drowned in that <laughs> Yeah, Forget I asked that. Her if she had a life jacket. Yeah, exactly. We're going to whiff and then wade through the lake. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was the end of that. We go on to dinner. The next morning, we're getting ready for a hike, and you went out to the car to get something, and you didn't come back and didn't come back. And I looked out the window of the cabin, and there you are with the claw end of the hammer digging a channel through the weeds. I was taking care of business. <laughs> I enjoyed clearing the lake. All it took was like three or four feet of a four-inch channel. And I'd hack that out with a, the claw end of the hammer and I know. and trained, trained that lake. Yeah. My favorite part was as I finally get it all the way through and, and make a channel to its little drain so it can go off on its way, the people in the other side of the duplex come out mm-hmm. and... The guy was mad at me. Well, I think he thought you were a maintenance worker because guests don't usually get get a hammer out and clear a channel. I'm confused for a maintenance worker often. (laughs) They were leaving, you know, after after their state. He said, well, thanks for clearing that out now. Yeah, Um, just as we're getting ready to leave. But then you came inside. We stood at the window, watched the water drain, and you said, I needed a win. (laughs) And I got it. Cleared Smith Lake. Smith Lake turned into Smith Creek. And then Smith Lake reformed down at the next cabin. We're not allowed to go back to Culture Village anymore. No, they won't let us. But shouldn't the restraining order have expired by now? I mean, it's been 10 years. Well, you would think. We do really like the cabins at uh, at Coulter Village. Thought it was a great place to stay. Yeah, just bring a hammer if it rains. (laughs) Or maybe a shovel. There's also campgrounds. We've we've never Uh camped there. We haven't. Um, There are seven campgrounds in the park, and you need reservations for all of them. That's available on recreation.gov up to six months in advance. The other great thing about Grand Teton National Park is... It's wildlife. Mm-hmm. It has almost the same wildlife as Yellowstone. I think for the concentration, it has even more. Because we always see moose. We've almost always seen grizzly bears. You don't always see those in Yellowstone. There True. are some bison. There's fewer bison in Grand Teton than, than Yellowstone. But yeah, there's 
There's a lot of wildlife, a lot of big mammals. A lot of them. I pulled up the list of wildlife from the park website, and the very first one that came up, 22 species of rodents, just if anybody cares. I don't remember seeing any rodents. Uh Maybe beavers. Yeah, Uh, oh, that's uh, true. Davey didn't get them all. Is it a beaver or a rodent? I think it is a large rodent, yeah. Then there are 17 species of carnivores. Of course, black and grizzly bears... And some other ones are wolves who have migrated down from Yellowstone, plus coyotes, bobcats, cougars, lynx. You've got all those carnivores. One note about the bear population. I I don't think we can say this enough about not feeding the wildlife. Yeah, there's been some um, unfortunate incidences in the park where people have fed the bears and, and when the park finds this out, they they really have to uh, put those animals down. And because once the bear associates humans with food, they be, they can become pretty dangerous. Yeah, as recently as this past October, a four year old female grizzly bear was killed by Grand Teton National Park officials after continually entering areas frequented by humans in search of food. And this, of course, is because people fed her. So an important reminder to never feed any of the wildlife. Karen, did you also know that there are six species of hooved mammals in the park? You know, I was wondering about that because I know there are moose we've talked about. There are elk and deer. But what are the others? I have no idea. (laughs) You didn't put it on the outline. It's like a pop quiz. Hooved animals. I I don't know. Bison would be in that category, right? They have hooves. They're definitely not in the carnivore category. Well, no, because bison are herbivores. (laughs) You know that because I... I mentioned to you that they're herbivores. You thought they were omnivores. Mm. You got your vores mixed up. I I did. I don't think they're omnivores. I don't think they eat other animals. No, I don't think they do either. Just plants. Maybe if a ground squirrel pisses them off or something. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if if a human gets too close. Yeah, I think they just butt them, though. They (laughs) gore them. They don't eat them. I don't think so either. So we're going to call them herbivores. Okay, we'll Uh, stick with that. All right. Also, if anyone's interested, three species of rabbits, six species of bats, four species of reptiles, none of them venomous, six species of amphibians, and 16 species of fish. 300 plus species of birds. Mm -hmm. And I like the last note on the outline, there are no venomous spiders. I know. Maybe that's one of the reasons I love the park so much. No venomous snakes or spiders. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, how long to spend in Grand Teton National Park? Well, you know, like like many parks, you could spend days and days and days. I think if you're if you're not doing something like the Teton Crest Trail or something like that, maybe one to two days. Yeah, if you are coming down from Yellowstone, it's definitely worth a day trip to come and see some of the highlights, and you could see a lot in a day. Now. If you're staying in North Yellowstone, you, you got to look at the mileage because it is a long drive through Yellowstone all the way down. But if you're closer to the south end, you could definitely come down for a day. But I think in two days, you'd see it all. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, like we said, there's some good scenic drives, maybe a long uh, hike around Jenny Lake or maybe up into Cascade Canyon. Go over and look at uh, Mormon Row. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll get lucky and see some bison over there. Go up to Signal Mountain to see the sunset. That's another place. 
we talked about Signal Mountain Beach, but you could also go up Signal Mountain Road and watch the sunset. Yeah. So you could see a lot in a day or day and a half. Yeah, definitely. Now, when to go, we already kind of touched on this. As we said, we went on Memorial Day weekend and it was snowy. Uh, We've also been in the summer with our kids when they were younger. We've gone twice in September. We've been there in early October. I will say in October, there were fewer crowds and the fall colors were absolutely beautiful. Right, yeah. But if you want a snowy experience, uh, the Teton Park Road closes to vehicles from November 1st to April 30th. And it's open to skiing, snowshoeing, and walking during the winter, all the way from Taggart Lake Trailhead to the Signal Mountain Lodge. Well, also, Jackson Hole, I mean, that's a ski resort. That that has incredible skiing. Uh, Some very challenging runs. You know, we know some people who uh, guide up there and mm-hmm. ski up there, and, and it's just spectacular skiing. So if, if you're into that, that's outside the park, but that's that's an incredible ski resort. Also, we might note, too, that um, if you're there in the summertime, there is some great whitewater rafting outside the park. We did that with our kids, and that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. on the Snake River, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's great, great rafting, good family whitewater rafting in that area. Yeah, and horseback riding. And it's just one of those areas where you've got you've got your stunning scenery you've got a ton of recreation incredible views and scenic drives i mean great hikes it really is a beautiful area and it's so close to yellowstone it's it's a great add-on to yellowstone or or you know you could just do that it's grand teton just as its own trip absolutely yeah Follow the seven principles of Leave No Trace when you're out enjoying our public lands. Plan ahead and prepare, stay on the trail, pack out everything you bring and properly dispose of waste, leave areas as you found them, minimize campfire impacts, be considerate of others, and do not approach or feed wildlife. Thanks for tuning in today. Coming up next week is our monthly mailbag episode. If you have any questions for future mailbag episodes, please send those to Matt and Karen Smith at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram at Matt and Karen Smith. Do you check those DMs? Well, I do. But I just recently found a whole bunch of DMs that were in a hidden folder, which means that for some reason, Instagram thought the messages were either spam or they were offensive. And of course they weren't. So apologies if you sent us a DM recently and I haven't responded. Yeah, I don't even know how to find a DM. Do you even know what a DM is? I do know what a DM is, but but I don't know where they are. You know, I was thinking that next year when we put together our annual gear and gift guide, you should include your hammer. I think it's bound to be a big seller. You're making fun of me. What's wrong with the hammer? A good yeah. hammer. you got to have a hammer with you. In your road emergency kit on every road trip, don't leave home without it. Yeah. <laughs>